can't pay the IRS, haven't filed in a while, receiving threatening letters? Yeah, it's about to get worse. The IRS is hiring an army of agents targeting hardworking Americans like you. You need warriors on your side. You need Tax Network USA. Tax Network USA has brilliant strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. For instance, they've discovered a limited-time special offer that the IRS is willing to waive $1 billion in penalties. Find out if you qualify before it's too late. Never call the IRS alone. Let Tax Network USA attorneys handle it. They have preferred direct lines to the IRS. They know which agents to work with and which to avoid. They've resolved over $1 billion in tax debts and offer a best-in-class guarantee. Schedule your free consultation now. Call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit TNUSA.com slash Victor. TNUSA.com slash Victor. Hello, you've joined the Victor Davis Hanson Show, a place where we celebrate free thought, critical inquiry, and the pursuit of truth. Victor is the namesake of this show. He is the Martin and Neely Anderson Senior Fellow in Military History and Classics at the Hoover Institution and the Wayne and Marsha Buskey Distinguished Fellow in History at Hillsdale College. This is our Friday production, and usually we look at news of the day. So we've got a lot on our agenda. I would like to make sure everybody notes that we are recording on Wednesday in the afternoon. So Wednesday, I think it is March 22nd. And so some of this news might get, well, we might miss a few things or something new might have happened because we are going to talk about Alvin Bragg indictment of Trump. And we'll do that when we return after these messages. Have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and veggies may actually lower, lower your risk of cancer. Hopefully you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. If not, you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is found in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. Will Field of Greens prevent, treat, or cure cancer? No, but it's so powerful, it promises at your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or your money back. I got you 15% off and free rush shipping, visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code VICTOR, V-I-C-T-O-R, for your discount. That's promo code VICTOR at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with factors, no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer, thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors Fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. What are you waiting for? For our listeners, Factor is giving you 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month when you use the promo code VICTOR50 at factormeals.com slash VICTOR50. Choose from six menu preferences to help you manage calories, maximize protein intake, avoid meat, or simply eat well-balanced. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Remember, to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month, head to factormeals.com slash Victor50, that's V-I-C-T-O-R-5-0, and use the code Victor50, that's code Victor50, at factormeals.com slash Victor50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. 
Welcome back. And so, Victor, we've got a lot going on for Trump. And as we strangely start a campaign season, even though it's two years in advance, I I find that funny myself. But uh, Trump and DeSantis seem to be marking each other out. And we'll talk a little bit about that, too. But first, I wanted to know if you had anything um, you wanted to say. Um, In addition, I know Alvin Bragg, they've been saying he's going to indict Trump and maybe there'll be a perv walk. And we haven't seen that happen. And so I was wondering what your thoughts were on that investigation. Yeah, I don't know. I think everybody's made a good point that there's no basis to it because we're this is just old hat. I mean, there's a statute of limitations and it's both federal and state misdemeanor and felony have expired. So he's trying to cook up a campaign violation that he altered the books. And this was a campaign contribution to, I guess, to her. So it would not hurt his chances. But I mean, they find Hillary Clinton for that. But what did she do? She hired a foreign national, which is against U.S. law, to participate in her campaign as her direct employee, as hidden by, this sounds to me like it's a conspiracy to defraud or racketeering. She put it behind the DNC paywall, the Perkins Coe paywall, the Fusion GPS. That's why it took Devin Nunes and his Cash Patel so far, you know, so long to figure out who, what was what. Because they hid that payment. And what was Christopher D. Steele doing? He, he he used Mr. Dolan, a Hillary operative, to collect dirt in Moscow. And then a guy at the Brookings to do the same, or a Russian national. I thought it was against the law for nationals, again, to participate in campaigns. And then she used her contacts in the State Department, the DOJ, to spread this dirt. And what was the result of that, Sammy? They just find her, find her. I don't know if you say it's a campaign violation. Why not just find him? Or if you think it's some type of bribery, what are we talking about? Vernon Jordan in 1998, 99, scouring New York corporate world, get Revlon to give Monica Lewinsky I don't know, $80,000, which she scoffed at and said that wasn't enough. I guess that was to keep her quiet so she wouldn't talk to Ken Starr. So I don't know what this is other than Mr. Bragg uh, is under a lot of criticism that he's letting out felons and New York City's crime rate is soaring and that he hates Trump. And he thinks that he will be the one person. Robert Mueller couldn't do it. James Comey couldn't do it. Adam Schiff couldn't do it, and Nancy Pelosi couldn't do it, and he thinks, and I don't know, Lynn Cheney couldn't do it, and Adam Kissinger couldn't do it, Icom Jeffries couldn't do it, and he he thinks he's going to be the one that can do it. That is, finally catch Wiley Coyote. Yeah. Do do you think Costello's... um, uh, testimony has anything to do with the slow movement towards that actual indictment? Well, what Bragg is doing is he's doing New York is synonymous with Washington. It's going to have a hard left jury and it's going to be, quote unquote, predominantly marginalized people. And he's going to make the argument that this is with a wink and a nod, as they do with did with Scooter Libby and everybody else. This is a white elite privileged billionaire and he doesn't like you and he's we can send a message. And that's it's a political trial. It sort of reminds me of the last days of the Roman Republic when Pompey, Caesar, Crassus, it was all there was no more of the rule of law. There's no more symmetry in the law. It's not equally applied. So everybody knows this. And the left thinks that it's never going to boomerang. It's never, never going to boomerang. And they're going to abuse all these precedents. We've talked about them before. Let's try to get rid of the filibuster. Let's try to get rid of the Electoral College. Let's bring in two more states. Da 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 da. Let's disbar the or not allow the House Minority Leader to have any nominations on House committees. Let's tear up the State of the Union. They do this, and they all think that they're God and they're going to be in power forever. We're, we're still a republic, so. I think in two years, there's going to be a backlash and the Republicans are going to win the House at a greater margin than they hold now. 
the Senate and the presidency. And what are they going to do? Do the Democrats then just rely on the media and say, this is unfair? Or do they, what will they do? Will they bring in the, I think they're going to get a special prosecutor for the Biden family. And this is all juxtaposed because why this is being covered, this misdemeanor, which is trumped up to a felony, he better be very careful because, remember, Donald Trump was impeached in the first impeachment in December of uh, 2019 on the premise that he did what? That he called Ukrainian people, i.e. Zelensky, and he said, I have a shipment here of offensive weapons that's been approved. I'm going to send it, but I'm going to put a hold on it until you clean up your act, especially with the Hunter Biden and the Biden syndicate. He didn't cancel it. They sent it and he sent more weapons than Obama ever did. But they said, oh, my God, he's trying to take out of his political opponent. Biden's the likely person. Well, not only has Biden done that to Trump with a Mar-a-Lago raid, and not only did senators sit on that trial in early 2020 who were going to run against Trump, at least in the primaries, Cory Booker, Amy Kobachar, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders. But this is exactly what they're doing. They're trying to take out somebody that they may be perceived right now as a front runner. So it's really getting scary. And uh, if there's communications between Bragg and the White House, that would be very interesting because all of the federal prosecutors passed on it in the Southern District of New York. They didn't want anything to do with it because they knew there was nothing there. So this guy is a state prosecutor. But if he's communicating and Biden, anybody in the Biden administration is using him to take out Trump, then I think they're going to be in big trouble. I think this guy's going to be in big trouble anyway. And they're going to be retaliated against. They understand that. They have such confidence in the media that it will not cover this big check that was just exposed of, you know, million, $3 million to the Biden family from a Chinese consortium. And that's not even being played. And this is really being trumped up. So we'll, we'll see. But I think it's going to boomerang, which I guess yeah. leads Sammy into your next area. Yes, it, it does. But does. Yeah. Does it help DeSantis or Trump or Biden? Could I be... Yes, go ahead. A couple of questions here. Yeah. um, Is James Comer's House Oversight and Accountability Committee, is that what you think they're after, is trying to see if Bragg is communicating with the White House? I think they're trying to see that. And they are trying to see, they want to get his internal communications. Because when he was earlier before, he basically said before this all happened, he was going to go get Trump. Mm. And that's why they, you know, everybody's quoting the Berea quote. Yeah. And then uh, give me the give me the man and I'll find the crime. It's not about the crime. It's about Donald Trump. Yeah. And they want to get rid of him. And as I said, Russian disinformation. Russian collusion, Mar-a-Lago, Don Jr. tax record. It it hasn't worked. He's been the most thoroughly dissected and autopsied candidate in history. If any Democrat had the same commiserate scrutiny applied to them, they would be in jail. Mm, And so we think maybe some of the Bidens should be in jail. My second question is, yeah, my second question is this, um, and I might at the risk of getting some of your listeners perhaps angry. To what extent do you think the trying or the investigation, I guess I should say, or the, I think he was impeached in the House, Clinton's impeachment due to his relationship with Monica Lewinsky set a precedent for this kind of thing? Or is that just something that's been going on in our republic forever? Well, we hadn't had uh, an impeachment attempt. Wasn't That wasn't the one that broke the 100-year-plus hiatus of Andrew Johnson, remember that. I mm. guess that was his first term, 1869. It was the threat of impeachment in 1974, not the actual impeachment, but they were pretty clear they were going to impeach Richard Nixon once those tapes came out, and therefore he resigned. That lowered the bar. And I think if you read Conrad Black and other people, they've made, I think, pretty good arguments that that was a third-rate burglary and 
you know, it's like if you can keep your doctor under Obamacare, presidents say stuff all the time. So I'm not sure that that was a wise thing to do to wreck the economy and wreck Vietnam and wreck everything else. And that's what happened. As soon as they got rid of Nixon, Ford was emasculated, Kissinger was emasculated, and we lost the Vietnam War. We just mm. gave up. They cut off all the aid when they won the midterms in uh, but 1974. With Clinton, but with Clinton, that, that it was, was a little different. That was much less trivial than the Clinton. Clinton was, you Clinton, committed perjury. Yeah, yes, you committed per perjury oath. about a relationship with a woman, though. Yes, I mean, yes. and that was his okay. argument that men lie all the time. Trump is lying yes. right now about, I think he is, about Stormy Daniels. It seems to me that... There's a good chance he had sexual relations with him, but he's not yeah. going to admit that. Clinton didn't want to admit that there was a little bit difference there. Stormy Daniels knew a lot about sex. She was a porn star. Monica Lewinsky was, what, a 20-something aide? Or was she 19, 22, 23 or something? 22, yeah. She was working right. for her boss. So according to feminist doctrine, there is no such thing as a symmetrical sexual relationship based on uh, the work environment. There's always a disproportionate allotment of power. So he had the power and she that when was the victim. I don't think she was a victim. Hillary kept saying that she was a seductress. But the point I'm making is that that was a little bit different. The big thing, though, is to remember that Andrew Johnson was going to be a one-term president, but they tried to impeach him in his first term. And if you go back to the Federalist Papers, they make it very, very clear. There was a big discussion about whether you needed a two-thirds two majority in the House, as you do in the Senate, to convict somebody when you try them. And the argument failed, but the argument was made that you have to make it more difficult to impeach a president than just an up or down vote. Because if you don't, the first time a president loses his majority in the House in his first term, they're going to impeach him, just like a parliamentary vote of no confidence. So Clinton, and, and you see what I'm getting at, Sammy, the argument of Clinton is you have no more recourse because he's been reelected. The same thing was used about Richard Nixon. You don't have a recourse if you don't impeach him. Mm. You see what I'm saying? If you're in your yeah. second term, there's no he's there. So that was in the Federalist uh, back and forth and some of the documents around the criticism of the, of the Constitution. They said, we are going to have a a majority vote in the House, but we'll compromise and make two-thirds in the Senate so he can't be convicted easily. We've never had anybody convicted and moved. It's impossible. No party ever loses. It's very rare to have, you know, less than 40 votes. But my point yes. is this. The, you can see the argument when it was made. They said, the other side said, yeah, but once a guy's reelected, then you don't have any recourse except impeachment. So we've got to make it easy. In the, and then the other side said, yes, but you don't want to impeach him in the first term because you have a recourse there too. You have an election coming up. And so one side said, let's have two thirds, make it difficult to impeach it, impeach him. And then you have the first the first term, and then the other side said, we'll make it easy because if he gets elected, then you don't have a choice. There's nothing you can do. And they kind of compromise, as I said. But the point I'm making finally is there's never been an impeachment since Andrew Johnson in the president's first term. They first went after term. Nixon. Right, yes, yeah. they went after Nixon yeah. in the second term. They went after Clinton. So when they impeached Trump 2019 and 20, that was at the end of his they impeached. They started it as soon as they won the House in 2018. And as soon as Mueller's investigation collapsed, they were right on to impeachment. And everybody said, you know, when Admiral, Admiral McRaven said he should be taken, sooner the better, he should be removed. All the military people were attacked. They had an alternative. All they had to do was not vote for him. And they did that. There was no reason to impeach him. 
He was going to be out of office anyway. In fact, they tried him when he was a private citizen the second time. And so it's very difficult to impeach a first-person, a first-term president because either he's not going to run or you can vote against him. Yeah. The second time, it's more convincing that you don't have any alternative to get rid of the SOB. Yeah. And so I don't think they're going to impeach Joe Biden. And I don't know if they should because it sets a terrible precedent. That the Republican, they didn't impeach him, and then the Republicans got a majority, and they they will impeach Joe Biden. Do I think he deserves to be impeached? Absolutely, for what he did on the border. He deliberately destroyed federal immigration law and let in 7 million people contrary to federal immigration law. And he did it willingly, deliberately, for cheap political advantage. All right. Victor, let's go ahead and take a break and listen to a few messages, and then we'll be right back to talk about the Trump-DeSantis fight. Hang in there with us. We'll be right back. Hey, folks, if you've been listening to our show, you've probably heard Victor talk about Hillsdale College. It's one of the few colleges in the U.S. still interested in teaching truth. What you probably didn't know is that they have over 40 free online courses. And Victor is one of the professors in three of those courses, American Citizenship and Its Decline, based on Victor's book, The Dying Citizen, How Progressive Elites, Tribalism, and globalization are destroying the idea of America, the Second World Wars, based on his book by the same name, and Athens and Sparta, partly based on his book, A War Like No Other, How the Athenians and Spartans Fought the Peloponnesian War. Don't you wish Victor would have been one of your professors in college? Well, now you can join him as he covers some of the main ideas of his books with Hillsdale College's online courses, all available for free. That's right, for free. The courses are seven to nine episodes long, and they are self-spaced, so you can take them whenever and wherever. I think I'm going to start with American Citizenship and Its Decline, where Victor explores the history of citizenship in the West and the threats it faces today. Threats like the erosion of the middle class, the disappearance of our borders, the growth of an unaccountable deep state, and the rise of globalist organizations. Hey, start your free course with Victor Davis Hansen today. Go right now to hillsdale.edu slash VDH to start. It's free and it's easy to get started. That's hillsdale.edu slash VDH to start. hillsdale.edu slash VDH. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events, and you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe. We're back, and this is the Victor Davis Hansen Show. I'd like to remind everybody that Victor has a website, victorhansen.com. It's called The Blade of Perseus, and you can join for $5 a month or $50 a year. It's a great deal. You get the ultra articles for a paid subscription. If you come on with a free subscription, you'll get onto our mailing list, so you will be mailed out all the articles in addition and podcasts that Victor does. And on a, every few days, we don't like to fill anybody's mailbox up. So we usually keep that to every few days. So please come join us. Victor, so this kind of segues into our our other topic. And we see Donald Trump and um, Ron DeSantis uh, had an interview recently with Pierce Morgan. Yes. And DeSantis he made that. some controversial statements about not understanding what what hush money, hush money to a porn star entails. <laughs> and um, Trump replied that Ron DeSanctimonious will find, and this is my words, but we'll find out when he grows up and may face unfair attacks by a woman or maybe even a man. And those were the last bit was Donald Trump. It was Trump. very Trumpian. Yes, yeah. it sure was. That was 
I think what we're watching is DeSantis uh, from the midterms. Remember, this has been going on since November of 2022, when the media focused on the fact that he'd had spectacular results in Florida, won by a million votes, carried Dade County, and the Trump candidates supposedly did dismally, and they, and they did, and the Republicans were very disappointing. So then at that point, Trump decided to go after DeSantis. And first it was mild. He's not loyal. He begged me. And then it was, he begged me to endorse him. He barely won. Probably true in a sense. And then he, you know, he went after Yunkin. He went after Mitch McConnell's wife. We've talked about that before. And he kept up, you know, called, I think, I don't use, what Trump does is what we call on be call. I mean, people call in Latin, radio. And that is, you know, Demosthenes says about Eschines. The fact that his mother was a prostitute in an outhouse has nothing to do with his speech, this hmm. trial. And so what he says is, you know, I'm not going to call him Mad Dog or something like that, you know. Yeah. Or, you know, I'm not going to get into the fact that there's a picture with him with, and when he was a teacher and there's girls and maybe there was a man. You just draw, but that's not important. And so <laughs> at some point, DeSantis's people decided, and he did, that he had ignored that and been magnanimous. But Trump does not stop. So, and what Trump we saw with the other candidates is that he he's just like a sledgehammer, and he and they are kind of like a spike, and he just hits you, hits you, hits you until you're down in the ground. And so, at some point, he would be he would say, "You look weak." And so I think that someday is now. So people came to DeSantis and said, look at the polls. He's just bulldozing you, and it's time to strike back. So he had a very good rationale, strategy, tactical plan, I think, as I can decipher it. And that was, I'm too busy talking about the present. I don't want to go replay the past. I don't want to replay the 2020 election. I have enough enemies. Donald Trump has enough enemies on the left without me replying to him. And I wish he would stop it because we're all conservatives, right? But yes. that wasn't enough for Trump because he looked at some polls. He said he's ahead in the polls, but there's been polls, say, in the Iowa caucuses and Vermont, excuse me, New Hampshire that show DeSantis even with him. And so... At this point, he decided in this interview to suggest uh, a couple of things where he thinks Donald Trump is weak. One of them is he gave the what a presidential medal to Dr. Fauci. You can argue that nobody really knew the depths of Fauci's duplicitous and how he was trying to undermine Trump and how bankrupt. You know, we saw this PBS clips from this PBS supposedly laudatory um, documentary that's coming out, but it made him look like an idiot, Fauci, when he said, well, you get your vaccinations, and then the, the African-American guy he was interviewing was so bright compared to Fauci. He, Fauci said to him, well, if you get vaccinated, you won't even know if you get it. You won't get it. Everybody's listening knows that's a lie. One out of every four of you out there was vaccinated and got a bad case of COVID, so he just lies. And so... Fauci now versus when Trump kept him, you know, and, and is different. We, we've seen him. Rand Paul's exposed him. But that's a liability for Trump. So he went on that and said, you know, I would have got rid of Fauci for the first minute. Yeah. The second, I think, is that he's saying, I don't have these psychodramas. I try to get even rather than get mad. With me, if I go after critical race theory, I try to stop it. If I go after, I'll go into the universities and I will try to make sure they're not ideological, Stalin, you know, controlled. I, if they're going to send illegal aliens to Florida, I'm going to send them to Martha's Vineyard. So he's trying to find out concrete results, carry a big stick and be quiet. But one of his arguments is that Trump is too loud and distracting, but when you actually look at what he's doing, he has some great ideas, but they don't get fully implemented because of these cul-de-sacs. And that was the second argument as I looked at that interview that he was making. And then the third is, and he can't criticize the Trump judicial appointments, but he's 
looking at his appointments, the people surround him. And, mm. you know, there's two types. Trump has got some exposure there because there's two types of Trump appointments. There are the people who are out there like Steve Bannon. I like Steve Bannon. I met him. I know him. But he's out there. And then the nutty ones like Scaramucci and Omaroso and people like that that are in total embarrassments. And then there's Donald Trump, the novice, coming in and the bi-coastal swamp pressuring him to appoint people that don't believe in his agenda. So you had the Secretary of Defense did not believe in the Trump agenda. And that was friction. And you've had and you had other people in Homeland Security that didn't agree with the agenda and they undermined him. And we had Anonymous, you know, who's a low level Homeland Security appointment bragging the New York Times that they were there were lots of them in the in the Trump White House appointments that fooled Trump and got on in there. So th those were the, the complaints and they weren't ad, ad hominem. When that thing about Stormy Daniels, I think he was trying to send a subtext as whatever I am, you're not going to have to worry about me having sex with a porn star allegedly when my wife is pregnant. So it's not going to happen. Yeah. And you can take that for what it's worth. Mm -hmm. I mean, whether that's an issue that people are going to complain about. I think the main issue that every conservative, every Republican, it should be very, very important. Whatever your particular, and I'm not going to get in partisan, but whatever your particular views are about DeSantis or Trump or Pompeo or Nikki Haley or all the rest of them, they're going to get in. You should demand that every single person endorses the person who wins the nomination because you won't win without that. And Donald Trump did not win the popular vote either year and he either election. And part of that was that he had massive defections from the from the Republican Party. Yeah, and they've got to unite. I'm, I'm not calling their never Trumpers the board. They're not Republicans anymore. They're they're Biden aficionados. They're just in the left wing camp. They have to be because that's where their funding comes from. Yeah, that's I'm talking right. about people who will support DeSantis, but Trump gets a nomination or people who are Trump supporters and DeSantis and mm -hmm. Donald Trump will, will go down in history as a very good president, whether or not he gets his next nomination. But the only thing that's really hurt him, as I see, is his failure after January um, 1st of 2021 to go down to Georgia and win those two special elections and gave us those two socialists. And that was a tactical error. And it had strategic con consequences when they won the Senate. We wouldn't be in this mess if, if we had kept those two seats. Wouldn't yeah. be in this mess today. This, and then, of course, he's got to endorse. If he doesn't get the nomination, I don't know who will. But if he if he bolts or tries to run a third party, it will destroy his reputation because people will be very angry because 2024 is much worse country-wise, America-wise, it's in much more danger than it was even in 2016 or 2020. The woke yeah. thing has gone so far to the extreme, and we have a bank banking crisis. We have stagflation. We have sky-high interest rates. We have an open border. We're deliberately warring on fossil fuels. We had Afghanistan. We've got this whole transgender bizarre issue. We've got the Ukraine war, and there's no margin of error for a traditionalist, a person who's solidly pro-American and conservative. And if Trump were to split that, and I just mentioned him because he he's the one that is is the most speculated about in the media. So he should come out right now and say, I'm going to win the nomination. But if something happens and I don't, I'm going to be out there working for Ron DeSantis. DeSantis should say the same thing. Yeah, they really should, because otherwise it's going to be a disaster. Well, Victor, let's go ahead and then turn to the Ukrainian war, or the, sorry, the war in Ukraine, and look at, I know that we've had recent news that the 
Ukrainians at least have claimed that their drones have blown up some missiles that belong to Russia in the Crimea, which would mean that, according to my sources, that their uh, drones can get much further and deeper into Russian territory uh, than they have before. So there might be some change in that. But I just want to state my other impression, and maybe you can deal with it. My other impression is that really the war is going in Russia's if you look at the news about the fighting on the ground, that's what it seems like. And I'm just a novice. But um, what are your thoughts as the war key is continuing? And and that's a very current topic. So, Well, there's one big problem with the way that we look at the Ukrainian war. And it's one of ignorance, I think. The left and the never Trump right and everybody think this is symmetrical. So they say something like the following. Russia is sending drones, missiles, and smart bombs and destroying Ukrainian infrastructure. Therefore, Ukraine must do the same, the same to Russian territory. In fact, they have been doing it stealthily. And then they'll say, the Ukrainians are killing one Russian. For every 0.6 Ukrainian, or even they exaggerate, that's the accurate ratio, but they'll say, you know, two of them for one of us, and that there's degrees of truth in that, okay? And they'll say, Russia started it, so everything's off the table. Well, that's all true in a perfect world, right? That's what's the perfect world. And we're giving them, and they'll, they'll say, well, we're giving them just enough so they don't lose. We've got to give them enough so they can win. Okay, but that's in a perfect world. The world's not perfect, Sammy, and here's why. Russia has 10 times the GDP, three and a half times the population, 145 versus 40. It's got 30 times the area. So for Russia to continue that ratio, they wanted those Wagner people. They want to get rid of them. They were all criminals. That's the kind of thugocracy Putin runs. He just emptied the prisons and sent 40,000. And he basically said, I need to get 10 or 15,000 dead Ukrainians. And they did. And we declared it a great victory. We stopped the Wagner group. That Well, yeah, but He's a nihilist, Putin. He is destroying brick by brick eastern Ukraine and the infrastructure and the power grid and the roads and the bridges. And he's creating, you know, he's refugee crisis. Eight, nine million people have left. They only had 40 to start with. And more importantly, he didn't care about how many people get killed. That's the Russian way of war. It's a meat grinder. It's a war of attrition. So he's got all of the cards in his hand. So, yeah, yeah, you know, we all said, I don't want to mention any names, but I had a lot of colleagues at Hoover. They, oh, we're winning. This was, you know, when they stopped the Kiev Thunder Road decapitation effort. Great. I think that's great. But it's very difficult to beat Russia, especially when this when they apply the Russian way of war. It's basically we're going to kill people that you really care about. But we don't care about how many people we win. We care about winning. So that's the first thing. The second thing, Russia has 7,000 nuclear weapons. They keep saying, well, nobody's used them since Hiroshima. They just can't use them. No, there's no rule that says that. That's the same world. That's the world we live in. That's the rules-based order. This guy doesn't believe in that. If he thinks he's going to lose and you be humiliated and lose power, he will let off a tactical nuke. He will threaten England like they do almost every day. They threaten the United Kingdom. So it's not symmetrical. And that means that we've got to find some type of solution because this is going to be a Verdun deathscape. And the whole point of it will be, and, and we know from pretty reliable sources, we had some out at Hoover Institution, that Putin has lost between 200 and 250,000 dead. And usually casualties are three to four times higher than fatalities. So he's probably lost a half a million soldiers 
seriously wounded or killed. And Ukraine is probably, and they have a complete news blackout, by the way. Their media is censored. But they have lost about 120,000 or 200,000 total casualties. And this is just year one over. So you yeah. can get up to, we're going to see if this, if they want to fight this to the last Ukrainian, then we're going to see some things that we haven't seen. Yeah. I think the other thing that, that really bugs me is all of these people who are, you know, the Russian, uh, the Ukrainian national security advisor said this will end when our tanks are in Red Square. Okay. And I thought, well, whose tanks are those? It's not yours. You're talking about German tanks or American tanks. But my point is this. From 2015, 2014 to 2022, I didn't hear any of these people, especially all these people on the left. Why didn't they say we want Putin to be forced to give back the Crimea and the Donbass? Why was that only a rep? a repairable offense. It can be rectified now, but it can't be rectified the last six years, seven, eight years. Why didn't they say in the last year of the, oh, oh my God, we've got to get Crimea back. We've got to get Crimea back. We've got to get Donbass. Ah, we're going to really press rather than saying, tell, you know, tell uh, as Biden did, tell, uh, Vladimir. <laughs> well, I mean, he said to, he said to, to Putin, I shouldn't say tell, he said to his face, please put these targets off the cyber warfare hit list when you're attacking us. Do not attack hospitals. What's the implication? If you want to go after other stuff, go ahead. Yeah. And so what I'm getting at is if you are a absolutionist, absolutist, that you want to win and winning is defined by a crushing military defeat and the destruction of the Russian military, and you want every Russian out of Ukraine, then you better tell us why you didn't say a thing that we lost all deterrence and started this war basically when we fled Afghanistan and Putin, Putin thought that was a joke and that we wouldn't do anything at that. If you don't think that was the reason why he invaded, maybe it was because, as I said earlier, Biden allowed him to do cyber warfare with some minor exception. If you don't believe that, maybe you could say, well, in January, on the eve of the election, he was, Biden was asked, he said, well, if it's a minor incursion, I don't know what we'll do. So he, he gave signals that encouraged Putin. If you don't want to believe any of that, you can go back to tell Vladimir, give me space. It wasn't Donald Trump. It wasn't conservatives who have continually appeased Putin. They were the ones that were fine with that asymmetrical missile deal. They were the ones that dismantled missile defense in the Czech Republic and Poland for the cheap political gain of giving uh, Obama space so he could be reelected, so he would behave. They were the ones that didn't do anything. Tell Vladimir to knock it off. That was Obama. Uh, on cyber warfare. And as far as Biden, as I said, it was Vladimir, if you're going to do it, just Give us a break and just attack the right targets. And so they didn't say anything. And now all of a sudden, oh, you're a Russian sympathizer. If you don't want to crush every Russian risk nuclear war, sit, give them F-16. Well, I can tell you after listening for an entire day last Friday at Hoover of this group I chaired, I can tell you what the experts, military, financial, political, diplomatic, they can tell you what what Ukraine needs to win. They need about a thousand Abrams tanks. They need about 50 to 100 F-16s. They need basically the entire arsenal of U.S. artillery shells because 155 millimeter, you look at, they're getting, I don't know, 180 to 100,000 shells versus 20,000 in these exchanges. When you look at particular time periods, they're being out shelled enormously by uh, Russia. So you can do it as long as you're willing to say that that's what we're going to do. 
We're going to give them everything we have. And to win this war, they've got to sink the Black Sea fleet that supplies Crimea, etc. We've got to sink it. We've got to go in there and blow up all their oil depots and pipelines. We can do that. And you know what? I can assure you that when we do that, it won't have any effect on the global economy. It won't rattle markets. It won't drive Russia closer to China and India and Turkey and North Korea and Iran and Saudi Arabia. We won't do that. We won't create the greatest anti-American coalition since Hitler, Mussolini, and Tojo. That's where we are. And I don't understand it. All these people who want the maximalist position of absolute victory and total American engagement they weren't anywhere around talking about that. They don't, yeah. they don't, they just excuse all the appeasement that caused this war. They excuse all of the Obama, Biden, uh, uh, basically empowerment of Putin. They excuse the reset. He was created by the Obama, Biden administration, Putin, the bad Putin. And then yeah. the final tessera in this awful mosaic is what? Worth. 129% of GDP in debt, $33 trillion, 129. When we went into the first Gulf War, that was a hugely expensive effort in 1998, 91. We were 40% of GDP. We went, we're looking at about an 8 to 9% 30-year mortgage rate coming up. We're looking, we think it's so great that we only have a little over 6% inflation. We're getting massive layoffs. We've had the Signature Bank. We've had this Silicon Valley Bank. We've had Mr. Bankman Friedman's FTX implode. This country is not united. It's not united politically. It's not united socially. It's shaky economically. And it's not united racially. And the idea that we're going to fight a proxy war on the frontiers of nuclear Russia to the very end to humiliate Russia, and they're not going to respond, is crazy. And yeah, people I don't are going to say, happening. well, Victor, what do you want to do? I want to do what we did in Korea. Think about it. Douglas MacArthur went all the way to the yellow. He was pushed back. He tried to unite North Korea and South Korea. Matthew Ridgway took over. He had almost nothing to work with. He'd lost... They lost Seoul for the third time. He took it back. He killed a million of the enemy, and then he stopped at the DMZ. And he said, this country is not capable of going all the way up to North Korea again unless it wants to do things that would be very dangerous. Yeah. And so they stopped. And you can argue they could have gone forward, and they probably could have won. But they stopped, and the Joint Chief stopped them, and Ike stopped them. I should say Harry Truman stopped them in 52, but Ike didn't. He stopped them. He said, I'm going to go to Korea. And he did. And he said, better stop where you are. He agreed. So that's my point. That so in the case some of, kind of negotiation, and you party, would leave the Donbass and the Crimea with Russia, probably, most likely would be the deal. I don't think they're ever going to get the Crimea. On an earlier broadcast, we talked about that. I mean, yeah. 1783, they kicked out the Ottomans. So over 200 years, 240 years, it's been Russian. It's 70% Russian speaking. He took it without even firing a shot, really. He just went in there and took it. And I guess people were not going to have guerrilla operations to stop him. I don't know if that's true now. I think a lot of Russian speakers in Crimea are appalled at what he's doing. But um, it would be you hard know, to Stephen, get back, Stephen Kotkin, yeah. our Russian historian at Hoover, has given a lot of podcasts. He's written about it. And he's not, I mean, he's not a politico. He's a historian. And he pointed out that there is no way you're going to give the Crimea back to Putin. It's too integral to the Black Sea fleet and traditional uh, Russian security. And there's you mean too many give Russians. it back to the Ukraine, right? Excuse, you, yes. Yeah, you, excuse me. It. Give it back to Ukraine. And it's too much integrally a part of Russian history. And as he pointed out in a number of publications and in podcasts, 
25% and more of Western Ukraine has only been Ukrainian since 1945. It was Poland. And basically, Stalin started World War II with Hitler under the, under the Molotov-Ribbentrop non-aggression pact on August 23rd, 1939. And what did they do? They both invaded Germany from the east, the north, and the south, and Russia from the east. And the deal was that Stalin got to take the eastern part of Poland. And that's now the western part of Ukraine. And he and the, then he was pushed back and the Germans occupied. And then he came back and took it. And then when the war ended, Stalin, that famous quote that we all know about when he was told that the Pope would not like the idea that he would retain Polish territory inside Soviet Ukraine and because these were Roman Catholic Poles, not Ukrainian Orthodox, and it had been their Western Christendom. It had been their property. It was part of Western Christendom and Polish-speaking idea of Poland, not necessarily a nation. He said, how many divisions does the Pope have? How many divisions does he have? Tell me. And the point was, I'm taking it, and it's there. So if, if you want to put the whole map down and say, look, for the last 80 years, there's been so many variables. There was Russia under the Soviets, and they stole from Poland, a fourth of Poland, and then they gave it to Ukraine, which is now the most stable and the least contested. But in 1995, with the fall, after the fall of the Soviet Union, there was an independent Crimean Republic for a year, and then it joined Ukraine, but the Russians contested it. It's a, it's just a mess. So, I, I, yes, I don't believe anybody should go into an, a border and try to change it. But these borders are, gosh, I mean, they're not like our southern border. <laughs> it's been there, you know what I'm yeah. saying, for a long, long time, maybe for 18 Fort Gadsden Purchase. Yep. And yet this administration has no worries at all about the southern border. It doesn't When Mr. Obrador says, hmm, it's so wonderful, we've got 40 million of our citizens in the United States. And then a week later says, you know, I'm telling them all to vote Democrat because uh, the Republicans are talking about closing the border and going after the cartels. And that's that seems to me a much more ex existential threat, the United States. And, and then the other threat, of course, is the China, Russia and, and to a lesser extent. Turkey, all I can say is this, if you ask an American diplomat. Prior to February 24th and the American aid to Ukraine, which I have no problem giving them defensive weapon. But if you'd ask him, is Saudi Arabia closer to United States or Iran? They would say, are you crazy? They're our strongest ally other than Israel in the Middle East. They hate Iran. If you'd said, is Turkey friendlier to Iran, Russia and China than it is? Turkey's a NATO power, Victor. Where have you been? If you ask China. Are you closer to Russia and China? They'd say, I hate you both. If you ask Putin, are you closer to China or Russia? He said, I hate you both. If you ask, I don't know. So my point is they're all India. They'd say, are you crazy? We're the largest democracy. We're pro-American. We have a huge expatriate. We, we're with you. No, you're not. You're buying Russian oil and you're buying Russian arms. So we've created something that's very uniquely dangerous, this yes. new coalition, the axis, of, I guess they call it the axis of autocracy, but whatever it is, it's dangerous. And so it I'm sure suggesting is. that we can get a third party in there, maybe the United States. I know China thinks it can do it, doesn't it? Isn't this wonderful? This criminal state that has a million people in concentration camps is now acting as if they're Gandhi or somebody, and they're going to come in as disinterested third-party adjudicators, and they have a peace plan. And everybody said, well, it's just a joke. Hey, well, Ukrainians won't go for that. I haven't heard the Ukrainians reject it yet. But the point yes. is, this is pathetic, that this communist murderous dictatorship is now prominent on the world stage, acting as a benevolent third-party guarantor 
to stop the killing. Why can't we do that? And I agree. can't do it. I don't know. Yeah. We can't. We have these zealots who it's on to the Red Square. And I have a feeling, just to finish, I've said it before, but there is something here we're all missing about the left. The left attacked the Iraq war. They have attacked the Afghanistan war, Vietnam, etc. They have been all in on this from the first mention. And why was that? Because in some weird way, they thought after the collapse of their own policy, appeasement, reset, Hillary, and they thought they had Putin and they had Trump with the Russian collusion hoax. 22 months and $40 million, the Mueller investigation collapsed, basically. Then they had Putin with the Russian disinformation laptop. Then they had him with the bots and infiltrating Twitter and a campaign. And that was kind of went away. And this is their surrogate. This is as if they're going to finally say, look, Putin was really evil. He went into Ukraine. We told you that. He's colluding now with Trump. Trump said he would settle in 24 hours. We finally got them. We're going to destroy Putin and we'll show everybody that these right wingers are pro Putin. So if you get if you're Tucker Carlson and you go on TV and say, where's the end of this? Or you're David Goldman and you say, I don't want to subsidize a meat grinder. I don't want to get 500,000 Ukrainians killed. Well, you're pro-Russian. You're pro-Russian. You're traitors. You're treated. That's how they do it. I've never yeah. seen anything like the left just adopt a war as a surrogate to prove a point. And that's what they're doing. Yeah, they are. Victor, let's go ahead and take a break um, and for some messages and come right back to talk a little bit more about this war. I do have a question for you. So we'll be right back. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Bite, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. This is the Victor Davis Hansen show, and we're talking about the Ukraine war. And um, what I was wondering is kind of along the lines that you're talking, the left seemed to be so optimistic. And then so the press is that something's being accomplished by the Ukraine right now. But on the other hand, we hear, well, Russia is posing for its spring invasion, right? And so I feel like, well, how can you be so optimistic that the war is going well if the other team is on the offensive and getting ready for an invasion, right? It seems very strange to me. Well, Ukraine can have an invasion if they can last to 24. That's a year from now. What do I mean by that? That means that they can scrounge together all these advanced MiGs. They're not so advanced, but the Eastern Europeans are willing to give them a lot of MiGs in exchange for upgraded F-16s that they get. So, And that's going to take a long time to get the pilots acquainted with them and get them all assembled. And then if they can get Challenger tanks and Leclerc tanks and Leopard tanks and Abrams tanks and this Motley group and get up to four or five hundred of them. I don't think that's going to happen, but that would take a year. And then they can stockpile. They're short shells. They don't have the shells. 
and they don't have enough Patriots. They don't have enough of these Amor. That, these are our best weaponry. They're very expensive. But if they can hoard them and hoard them and withstand this, and then they can have an offensive. They can't conduct one now that will push back the Russian. Yes, but the the but the the sort of news out there is that the Russians are probably going to have an offensive in the springtime. Yes, and yes, that's why they're going to do it, Sammy, because they know that that. Time is not maybe entirely on their side. I think it is because they have the manpower advantage. But their point is, we got to hit them right now before all these Western weapons come in. The next generation of Western weapons that are offensive weapons. And as I said earlier, I I listened to a Ukrainian expert who just got back from Ukraine not long ago. And somebody asked him about all the wonderful trained NATO Ukrainian soldiers that had been for years, the bulwark, I mean, there were 50, 60,000 of them that were talking about lieutenant, our version of a lieutenant colonel, a colonel, a captain, major. And these were people who fought so well in the first, he just very sadly said they're dead. They're all dead. They're dead. These are part of the 120,000 that were dead. They're don't long. This is a second generation army of replacements. And so nobody ever talks about that. Nobody, when Joe Biden and, and, you know, Anthony, now they have, they want to put, they're going to, you know, the International Criminal Court, which we've never signed on to for obvious reasons. But they're going, they have indicted Putin. And Blinken said the other day that he should be, I guess he's got a bounty, I guess. He said he should be, face the consequences. So a bunch of Europeans and the Hague, are going to say that this president is a outlaw. And then what does that mean? All it does is get him angry. It's like yelling with a twig. You'd be yeah. much better to defeat him on the battlefield and praise him and not aggravate him. But what this administration does, Biden, you know, he called him a thug. He called him a murderer. He said that he need he wanted regime change. Remember that? And that was at the very beginning. I mean, yeah, I'd like to see Putin go, but I'm not sure the replacement would be any better, and it could be a lot worse. Mr. Medvedev keeps sounding off like he wants to be crazier than Putin. Yeah. And uh, I don't get this, this messianic. I mean, I supported the Iraq war, but that messianic strain has really increased. We saw what it in Afghanistan where it led to. You know, it led to pride flags and gender studies. And then we bombed. What was the point of bombing Libya? And what is Libya now? And why are we doing this? Why do we think it's our, and then Austin says, our purpose is to make, to so weaken Russia. Well, yeah, they, they're the aggressor and they have to pay a penalty. And they probably, <laughs> they're going to, when this thing is even a negotiated center, we're going to lose a half a million dead and we have all these news, these articles coming out. They're everywhere that the Russian people are to blame. Or there's no more, there's no such thing as Russian culture anymore. The Russia of Tolstoy and Dostoevsky is dead. They're just drunks or thugs. So we're back to demonizing every single Russian. And I, I don't get it. Yeah. Historically, they're very valuable to check whom? China. And that's... I went and read, you know, Henry Kissinger's memoirs the other day again, and he keeps making that point that you don't want to drive these two. I've seen people, I'm not going to mention names because I respect them, but in print and in podcasts, they've said the following, Sammy. It's good. It's good. It's good to drive Russia and China together. Then they're transparently enemies and we can identify them as such. And it wasn't good in World War II when this murderous Soviet regime that's killed so many more people than Putin under Stalin. He killed 20 million of his own people in the Great Famine. He murdered in the show trials and the military trials another 200,000. But it wasn't in our interest that they had the non-aggression pact and they just dissected Poland and they were going to be, you know, share the world. It was in our interest when they fell apart after January 22nd of 1941. That was in our interest. 
it's not in our interest to have these big major party powers back joined at the hip. And I don't know why people can't see that. Yeah. Well, Victor, I think we're at the end of the show. So thank you very much for all of the analysis of the Ukrainian I would keep calling it the Ukrainian war, the war in Ukraine, and also of DeSantis and Trump. And the, it was a very fascinating hour here. So thank you very much. Thank you, everybody. And thank you again for listening. This is Sammy Wink and Victor Davis Hansen, and we're signing off. Amanda Head, and I am thrilled to introduce to you my new exciting podcast, Furthermore, with Amanda Head, broadcasting weekly from sunny Los Angeles, California, and brought to you by the dynamic Just the News Podcast Network. On this fresh and engaging podcast, I delve into the latest news with a little bit of a twist, exploring the furthermore of every story. But this isn't your typical run-of-the-mill news commentary or politically charged program. I interview a diverse range of guests, including business leaders, entertainers, musicians, educators, experts, politicians, and many influential figures from both the United States and around the world. So why not make your Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays a little more interesting? Tune in on your preferred podcast platform and discover furthermore with Amanda Head on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And don't forget to hit that follow or subscribe button and be sure to download the latest episodes. I can't wait to have you join me on this exciting journey.